Well, good morning, everyone. My name's Chris. We're so glad that you chose to hang out with us today. And did you have a Merry Christmas? Good, good. Did you get your Yoda doll? No, they were all sold out. Too bad. All right, well, hey, uh, one of the things I love about this time of year is that when people get together, they start telling stories. And at a very early age, uh, all of us kind of understand that each of us have a different story. There is not a single person here who has exactly the same story as the person beside you. We all come with very different stories. No two people have ever walked planet Earth that have had the same story. Each of you have a story, and this is what I want you to know this morning, is that your story is very, very important to God. In fact, to kind of help us remember this, I would just like you to repeat after me these two words, my story. Okay, one, two, three. Okay, again, one more time. My story. Yeah, your story. Everybody here has a story, and your story is unique. It's one of a kind. Now, what's interesting to me is that one day in the future, each of you will tell the story of what your life was like in 2020. In just a few days, we'll enter into that new year. And many of you are here, and you have a great story that you're going to be able to tell. And unfortunately, for others of you, you will make some decisions in your life over this next year, And later on, your story, you won't enjoy telling it very much. Think of it kind of this way, and it's our first big idea. We have two today, and uh, here it is. The decisions you make today determine the stories you tell tomorrow. The decisions that you make today determine the stories that you tell tomorrow. You can Write that in your program or on our JAR app as well. For example, all of you who are Christ followers who are here, you've all had that experience probably in your life where you've had a prompting or you've had a whisper or a nudging in which God has asked you to do something and you said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it. And other people though, will say, God was leading me to do this certain thing, and I actually kind of got afraid, and I didn't do it. Folks, the decisions that you make today will determine the stories that you tell tomorrow. Now, just so we get it all out on the front side, here's kind of the second big idea, and it's this. Sometimes the best decision you can make is to go when it would be easier to stay. Sometimes the best decision you can make is to go when it would actually be easier for you to stay. I want to tell you a story of my life that this story actually still impacts my life today about a time when I decided to go when it would have been much easier to just stay. 
After I graduated from college, I was trained as a U.S. history teacher, and all I wanted to do was to go and teach high school history. Now, some of you hate history. I get that. But for me, I was really excited about doing this, and so that was kind of what I was looking forward to. I applied to dozens and dozens of different teaching positions, and I had some interviews, but I never got a job. Until finally, one day, I got a call from Carmel Clay. You know, in Carmel, they call it Carmel. You know, it's not really Carmel, it's Carmel. Sorry if you're from Carmel today, but it's the truth. Uh, and in Carmel, uh, they have this school, Carmel Clay Middle School, and I went and I interviewed, and they loved me. And they actually invited me back for a second interview. And you ever had that experience before but where you're in front of people and you start sharing about yourself and you're not being cocky or arrogant, but you can tell the other person across from you is like, I really like this person. And that's kind of the vibe that I got. And so they said, we will definitely be calling you back. We just have one more interview and that'll be it. And so uh, I got a phone call that night and they said, Chris, you are the best candidate I'm thinking, man, this is good. And then they said, you know what? We loved your ideas. I had this thing called mind maps and how to teach kids history with mapping. And they're like, we really, really like that. And there's no doubt we want to give you the job. I'm like, oh, man, I love this. And then they said this. But our entire staff is all men, and we really need a woman, so we hired somebody else. I wanted to go through that phone and punch that principal in his face in Jesus' name. (laughs) And I remember being so frustrated and upset because I thought this was the call that God had on my life. And I remember walking seven miles from Anderson to LaPel, yelling and cursing and screaming out to God because he had left me high and dry. But this was the truth, folks. All the crying and the yelling did not get me that job. And so for the next nine months, I had to live with my parents. Now, if you are an independent adult and you have to live with your parents, it is not an exciting thing. But I was 22, and that's what I was doing. And during that time, it was some of the darkest moments of my life and I felt so lonely and disconnected and yet often this is what happens whenever you're at the end of your rope that's exactly where God's address is let me say that again because some of you need to hear that when you say where's God where's God God's address is at the end of your rope and all of a sudden I started growing closer to God and he actually during the season of my life gave me My life verse, and it's right here. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. And during this time, I was praying, I was trying to draw closer to God, and one day the Spirit of God just kind of came to me. And it wasn't audibly, but just in my spirit, and said, I want you to be a pastor. And I was like, say what? 
He's like, no, no, no. I want you to be a pastor. I am releasing you from being a U.S. history teacher. I'm calling you to be a pastor, and I want you to trust me in this. And I remember thinking, no way. I mean, I was raised a pastor's kid. I've been running away from having to be in that world. I mean, all the pressure and people always thinking that you have to be perfect, and I just don't want to do this. Plus, God, if you didn't realize it, I have no training. I mean, I only took one New Testament class in college, and had I not copied off of... True story. Had I not copied off of Kathy Keener, I wouldn't have passed New Testament. Thank God for Kathy Keener, Lord, you know. Plus, one more thing, God. Not only do I not have training, but I'm engaged now, and pastors don't make that much money. And my fiance, who's going to medical school, like, don't mess this up, God. I need the doctor in my world. And so in the truth and the reality is, is now I had to go to her and she was thinking, hey, he's going to have all summers off. He'll be able to help out. And so I go to Jen in fear and trembling and I tell her what I feel like God is calling me to. And to my amazement, this is what she said. Go for it. I'm behind you all the way. You obey God. And with no training whatsoever, I started applying for these different churches, and no one really kind of called back. But then all of a sudden, there were these two country churches out in the middle of nowhere that called me and said, Yes, we're desperate. We'll take you. And you ever notice that? Sometimes desperate people find desperate people. Now, some of you are in relationships like that. You shouldn't be that way. But but sometimes that's what happens. And so I went, and they actually called me to be their pastor. And I'll never forget doing the trial sermon. I actually took one of my dad's old sermons. Like, I need to thank Kathy Keener, and now I need to thank my dad. And I just did it like verbatim. Whatever. It was horrible. And they're like, oh, we'll take you. And I moved into a county where there were more hogs than people. I mean, we had more potential to get hogs, you know, saved than we did people. And it smelled and it was difficult. And I remember living in the country and I was a city boy. And I was like, what, God, I'm going to go because, one, I don't have a job. But, God, I'm going to go because trusting you is key. And sometimes... It's better to go than it is to stay. Sometimes to go is better than to stay. And what's so amazing to me is God took this 22-year-old ignorant kid who was also pretty arrogant at that time as well. And somehow he took these two churches, and in a matter of five years, we doubled the size of those churches, and all glory goes to God because I didn't have a clue. And it was because of that that God then opened up the next step, the journey to see you all. 
and to be a part of what God's doing here at the jar. You see, folks, the decisions we make today really do determine the stories that you'll tell tomorrow. And I'm here just to tell somebody on the last Sunday of the year, I'm here to tell somebody that in 2020, God is going to call some of you to leave where you've been, the safety of it, and to go when it would be easier for you to stay. And the question is, will you do that? Now, this morning, the text that we're going to look at is actually found in the very first book of the Bible in Genesis uh, chapter 12. It's the story of Abram and Sarai. Later on, they become Abraham and Sarah. And the backstory is basically Abram is worshiping a foreign god. It was the moon god, Nanar. Now, for those of you who are over 40 years old, I realize some of you right now are thinking, I have this urge to say, Nanu, Nanu. Okay? Now, if you're under 40 right now, you're like, is that an old person joke? So, I need you to Google a show called Mork and Mindy, and, and that will clear it all up for you, okay? But you can decide if you want to do that or not. So, here is Abram, and he's worshiping this moon god, Nanar, Nanu, Nanu. And Abram is in the Ur of Chaldees, and he's worshiping this god, and everything seems like it's going fine. And then one day, the one true God actually comes to him, is very direct, and this is what he commanded him to say. The Lord said this. The Lord said to Abram, leave your what? What's the next word? Yeah, leave your country, your people, and your father's house, and what? What's it say? What's the word? The word is go, and he says, and go to the land that I will show you. Now, what was the command that God gave to Abram again? It was to what? To actually go. Now, what's interesting, and this is very, very obvious, but I'm going to tell it to you anyways, is this. If you want to go somewhere, what do you have to do? Yeah, you've got to leave. It's not that hard, folks. Don't, uh, you know. <laughs> People are like, I don't know, man. Listen. No, no, no. If you've got to go somewhere, what do you have to do? You have to leave. To go somewhere else, you actually have to leave. Now, everyone look up here and listen, because this next thing may be worth the price of admission. Sometimes to step towards your destiny, you have to step away from your security. Sometimes, to step into your destiny, what God is calling you to do, you've actually got to step out of your security. Folks, every now and again, God is going to call you to go somewhere, to go where he wants you to go. And to do this, you actually have to take a step of faith. The problem is, is that many people think, no, 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 I've got to take a leap of faith. Like, I've got to jump off of this stage. No, 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 no. Most of the time, what God simply asks us to do is to take 
a step of faith. And for somebody here, you're going to be hearing some promptings, some nudges from God. Maybe you already have in 2019 and you just didn't obey them. But I have a feeling that in the next few days, in the next couple of weeks, you'll feel some promptings from God. It's 2020 to do something. And some of you will say, oh, my goodness, this is what God's calling me to do. Well, I want to make a difference in this world. And so I'm going to go for it. But in order for you to do that, you've got to step away from the security of your own destiny. So God says to Abram, Abram, you must go. Now, Abram could have been like this. He could have said, I don't want to go. I mean, I like my friends that are here. I almost have my house paid off. I like my neighbors. I like the school where my kids go. I mean, I like the restaurant that's just right around the road there. And it's close to my house. And you know what? I really like my hairstylist. Do you know how hard it is, God, to find a good hairstylist? And he could have said that. And God says, no, 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 no. I still want you to go. I'm calling you out to go where I want you to be and to do that you're going to have to leave where you're at. You know sometimes folks the best decisions in your life is actually to go when it would be much easier for you to stay. And God may be calling someone here to go in 2020. So God goes on in verse 2, and he gives this promise. He says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be a blessing through you. Now, when God says... I'm going to make you into a great nation. Abram is like, say what? He's like, are you serious, God? Are you serious? I mean, I don't know if you've noticed it yet or not, God, but we don't have any kids. We've been trying and trying and trying, but there's no kids. And we've been praying about it. We got our small group praying. We, uh, you know, actually went to some fertility doctors. We did what they said. We, you know, tried in the morning. We tried at night. We tried in the evening. We've tried everything we can, and we still don't have any kids. Nothing's working out. And now you're coming to me and saying that you think we're going to be a great nation? And God... I just wanted you to know that when you're 75, the plumbing doesn't work like when you were 25. I mean, things don't just kind of happen the way, you know, you think they're going to work. And I just don't see this happening. Well, God says, no matter what you think, Abram, I'm telling you, I will make you into a great nation But then God doesn't give him any details. Now, I don't know about you, but I like details. I want to know. 
uh, I don't have to maybe know everything, but I sure would like to. I want to know details. Maybe you want to know details as well. But often what happens when God calls you to go, he doesn't give you any details. And do you know why? Because if he gave you the details, you wouldn't believe him. If he actually told you exactly what was going to happen, you would not believe it. And so he says, you've just got to take a step of faith. Just by a show of hands real quickly, how many of you have ever made a promise to God? Just raise your hand uh, wherever you're at. Just raise your hand. Okay, you can put your hands down. Those that didn't raise their hand, what do we call them? Yeah, you're a liar. I mean, don't go into the new year being a liar, folks. We've all made promises to God, every single one of us. In just a few days, some of you are going to be making promises to God. You'll say, God, if you just help me lose some weight, God, I promise that I'll go to church every single day. Well, let me take that back, God. Just on Sundays. Uh, some of you... Uh, You're like, God, I promise if you'll get me out of debt, I'll actually start giving financially to the church. Some of you will be like, uh, in the next couple of days, you might get a ticket. And you'll be like, God, if you get me out of this ticket, I will stop speeding. At least for the next 24 hours, right? But the reality is that all of us, whoever we are, we make promises to God all the time. But the reality is this, folks. We're not changed by the promises we make to God. We're changed by believing God's promises to us. People are never changed by making a promise to God. We're changed by believing the promises that God makes to us. Some of you are in need of believing something in 2020, some kind of promise, something from God's word. And you're going to need to leave behind something to take a step of faith. God just says, go to the land where I will show you, Abram. And then in verse 4, it continues on. So Abram left as the Lord had told him. Now, what do you think happened through Abram's obedience of going where the Lord told him? Human history changed, folks. Up until this time, there was... Nothing but people worshiping multiple different gods everywhere. And finally, God came and said, no, 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 no. I'm the one true God. And all of a sudden, monotheism hit the world. In other words, just one true God. There's just one God that will follow. And that's why sometimes when you read the Bible, say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this changed the world. The history changed because of him being obedient. Folks, here's the thing. When God calls you to go, many times you don't see the blessings that are going to be there that are waiting for you because of your obedience. But this is what I know. I bet you will never see those blessings if you don't take the first step. 
If you don't obey, you never, ever see it. You've always got to take a first step. You know, sometimes, folks, the best decision that you can make is to go when it actually would be easier for you to stay. Sometimes what you have to do is you have to leave the security that you know to be able to step into the destiny that God has for your life. Because when God prompts you to go, even when you don't know the details, you don't have to understand everything in order to do something. You don't have to understand everything that's going on to do something. I just need to go. When God calls me to go. So let me give you two practical questions for you to ask yourself uh, as you enter the new year. Here's the first one. What does God want you to want in 2020? And there's some space there in your program or on the JAR app for you to fill it in. What does God want you to want in 2020? Now notice I didn't say, what do you want? Because What you will want is any new shiny thing that is in front of you. Oh, I want that car. Oh, I want that big house. Oh, that sign says, we grow hair. I want hair. And all of a sudden, it's all about you. And what I'm talking about is a God-centered, God-focused kind of question. What is it that God wants you to want. For some of you, it is to simply spend more time with God. In 2019, if, uh, you know, the truth were known, you just kind of dissed God. You, you kind of pushed him aside. You might have come to church pretty regularly, but you just didn't spend much time with him. And I would encourage you that if that's you, that that should be what God wants you to want. For others of you, maybe it's to work on your marriage. The reality is your marriage is in a difficult place right now. And you can smile and you can look good in front of other people or the relationship that you're in. But the truth is there's some struggle there. And maybe God is just asking you to make that the priority. For others of you, maybe it's to spend more time with your family. In 2019, it was all about work and you were trying to make as much money. And now God is like, hey, hey, hey. I want you to want what I want. What I want you to want is to spend more time with family. For others of you, you are drowning in financial debt. And every year you think it's going to get better, but the problem is you don't change anything. You know what the definition of insanity is, right? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. If you want to get out of debt, you've got to do something. That's why one of the things we do here is we have a class called Financial Peace University where we encourage people to come so that you can do your money God's way and you don't have to drown anymore. And in 2020, God may have a better vision for you, but you have to make a decision to do that. In fact, sometimes with money, this is what happens all the time. People will have money and what they'll do is that You go and you buy things that you don't need with money that you don't have to impress people that you don't like. And that's the American dream. 
Let's get way into debt, but let's make ourselves look better or compare ourselves. And you don't even like those other people. So why would you do that? That's dumb. And God says that's enough. No more spending. And for others of you, God may be asking you, you know what? I want you to make a difference in this church. I mean, you come and you consume, but but what I really want you to do is I want you to contribute. I want you to give part of yourself away. I want you to volunteer. What could God do with you through the jar? So question number one uh, is, what does God want you to want in 2020? And secondly, what step of faith do you need to take in 2020? What step of faith do you need to take to do this? Based on what God wants you to want, what step of faith do you need to take? We could go through all of those examples again, but I would simply encourage you to realize this, that when you ask this question, what step of faith do you need to take? Every single person here, everybody look up here, everybody here, this is how you should answer that question. More passion for God. What you need more than anything else is more passion for God. Because if you have that, all of a sudden the issues in your life begin to work themselves out. And the next step for some of you is simply to say, you know what? I need more passion. So how am I going to do that? I'm going to open up his words and I'm going to read them. You don't have to read the entire Bible in a year. But you could start reading something every single day and see how that changes your life. To say, I'm going to pray each day. To get a part of a small group and join it. That your life could be changed as you grow together. Again, what does God want you to want? And what faith step do you need to take? Let me give you a personal example of how this played out in my life. As I shared earlier, at the age of 22, I had nothing, no experience, and God called me into these two churches, and in a matter of five years, the churches doubled in size. All glory to God for that, because it wasn't me. And then after that, God actually called me to leave that church, even though I didn't want to leave, They were getting ready to start a building program. I was so excited. And he said, I want you to leave there, and I want you to follow your wife's calling. And we moved here to Muncie so that she could be trained as a doctor. And then when we got here, I was like, well, what am I going to do? And Jen said, well, you're not going to sit around. I love my wife. And so I went to cemetery. I mean the seminary. And I went there, and I got trained, and all of a sudden I was learning a lot of cool stuff, and I was grateful for it, and it helped me a lot. The problem was is that I didn't see the practical kind of piece of it being used to actually help people who were far from God draw closer to God. So I actually, with a buddy of mine, we went to Marion, Indiana, and we started these small little house churches with people that we didn't know at whatsoever. We would just start a church in their house, and people started coming. 
And these people were far from God. They were all messed up. Many times they were drunk. Many times they were high. But we let them come in and it didn't matter. And we tried to love on them. And after a period of about two years, we had three of these little house churches going on. And people were being changed. And God was working in incredible ways. And all of a sudden, God started stirring something inside of me that was like, you know what? I want you to do this, Chris. I want you to start something from scratch. Again, the problem was I had no idea how to do it. So I went to the denomination I was a part of at that time, a great denomination, loved the people, but they didn't know how to do it and they hadn't done it in decades. And so I wasn't sure what I was going to do, but I kept having this stirring in my spirit that said, I want you to start a church, a different kind of church, a church for the unchurched, a church that would break the mold. So I went to all of these church planning conferences and and learned about things. And all of a sudden, uh, I kind of got this sense that maybe God wanted me to start the church here in Muncie. And so I was kind of excited. And I went to these church planning people and I said, hey, I, I really want to do this. I feel called to it. I'm thinking about doing it in Muncie. And they all go, Muncie? I was like, yeah. And they're like, well... The economy's bad. People are leaving. The downtown is deteriorating. It won't work. It just won't work. I was like, ah. And I read some statistics about how churches grow, and this was not the place to do that. But then I remember saying, God, I don't care where I'll go. And we went to California. We went to Louisville. We went to Phoenix, Arizona to try to find these different places where God wanted us to plant. And I said, God, I don't care where I go, but wherever I go, that's where I want to do the rest of my ministry. I don't want to go somewhere else. And then one day while I was in my bathroom praying, I I spent about an hour just trying to listen to God's voice. It's the only time God has ever spoken audibly in my life. And except for one time he said no. That really helps out a lot when God says no, you know. But only two times in my life, and this is what he said, I want you to start the church in Muncie, and I never want you to ask me again. And so I left from that. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. And I was like, well, maybe those church plant people don't know anything. But my seminary professors, I mean, they've trained me. They're encouraging. And so I went to them and I was like, hey, I'm starting to, you know, think about doing this. And what do you think? And they're like, oh, bad idea, bad idea. And now all of a sudden you can see the confusion that was in my mind. I mean, there's not much there anyways. I mean, it's easy to get confused. And there's this confusion that's going on. On one side, God is telling me, Chris, I want you to plant this church in Muncie. I never want you to ask me again. Trust me. Trust me. And on the other side, all the church plant gurus, all the people that had trained me, everyone that I looked up to was telling me no. And I'm in this quandary in my brain. Is there a bat? Go away! All right, if if you see it trying to take me out, we'll be done, and Caleb can come up here. The reality is, I, I was really kind of messed up with this whole kind of thing of what was I to do? Which is it, God? And then it hit me, folks. At the end of the day, at the end of my life, 
I will not stand before the church plant gurus. I will not stand before the seminary professors. I will not stand before the denominational leaders. I will not stand before my family. You know who I will stand before? I'll stand before God. And if God is telling me to go, then I need to obey him. Regardless of what other people say. And I took a step of faith. And on January 2003, I opened my home up. And to my amazement, my neighbor and the couple of people that I had invited to come actually showed up. And there were six adults. That's right, just six. So we're like, well, that doesn't sound very big, so let's count everything. So my friend had two kids, and we just put them in a room. I don't know what they did, but we had no child care. But all of a sudden, we went from six to eight, and they had a cat. So we counted the cat. And so all of a sudden, now we have eight humans and one feline, and that was the church. And I'm telling you, folks, we had nothing at all. (laughs) We had nothing. We had no money, no building, no worship leader. In fact, what we did was we would take these CDs, we put them on a CD player, and I led the people in singing. I'm surprised anyone ever came back. And it would skip, and it would mess up, and it was just horrible. And not only did we not have anything, I didn't know anything. Because all these planning things were in these big urban settings. Nothing talked about a deteriorating, low economic kind of place to start a church. And I'm telling you, it all started, honest to goodness, it all started, folks, when I decided to simply go when it would have been so much easier to have stayed. I mean, it would have been so much more comfortable and easier to go back to a traditional church. There was a church, had 500 people, they wanted me to come and be their pastor. Man, it was going to be a cush job. That could have been my kind of deal but sometimes it's better to go even when it would be easier to stay to step out of your destiny means that you have to give up your security and how did abram do it how did he do it he did it by faith in fact let's all say that out loud together by faith one two three by faith how do we do it we do it by faith this is what scripture says right here By what? By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. How did he do it again? Yeah, he did it by faith. Folks, here's the deal. One day, You're going to tell the story about your life of 2020. It'll happen. Someone will ask you, 2020, oh, you know, like vision, 2020 vision. Like, what did you do in 2020? And your story next year is going to be one of two things. I guarantee it. On one hand, your story will be, well, I felt this prompting from God But I was afraid and I lived out fear. Or, on the other hand, your story will be, I felt a prompting by God and I stepped out in faith. 
You see, folks, all of life really comes down to those two things. Will I be fearful or will I be faithful? I don't know what God's prompting you to do, but he's calling some of you to do certain things. For some of you, he's saying, get out of debt. Your life would be so much freer if you could just get out of debt. And I believe that God's going to help some of you to do that. I've seen it happen in our church with many people. I believe God will prompt some of you probably to volunteer here at the jar in 2020. I'm, I'm tired of sitting on the sidelines. I actually want to get in the game. If you watched the college game last night, uh, what great football games. But it was because the people you were watching were in the game. They don't pan to the sideline and go, hey, look, that person just spit. Because no one cares what's going on the sideline. They want to know who's in the game. For some of you, it might be being a part of the community basket. What a huge gift to our community and lives are being changed. Thousands of people every single month being impacted. For some of you, maybe God's calling you to be a foster parent. And you've been thinking about it for a while, but you've just kind of stepped back and not doing that. And how are you going to foster? You foster in faith. For some of you, maybe God's calling you to adopt somebody. You're like, well, who's the kid going to be in what? You want all the details. And he goes, no, no, no. Just start the flow. Start with faith. I believe that God may be asking some of you to actually start tithing. That you would actually say, I'm going to give the first part of my income to God to watch and see him move and bless. And scripture actually says that blessings from heaven come when we trust God with what we often want to hold on to so tightly. Maybe there's a single guy here, and you're looking for single girls, and you think you found one, and every once in a while when you're worshiping, you see her worshiping, and you're like, man, that, that would be great. And, and the thing is, you're scared, you're afraid to ask them out, and, and maybe you would ask them out, and then all of a sudden, you know, you'd, they'd like you, and there'd be a dating relationship going on, and things would go well, and then you'd get married, and, and then, you know, after that, you know, then, then all of a sudden, maybe you have a firstborn child, and you name them Chris. And it's all because I stirred something in you, you know, on this day. And here's the most exciting news, folks. It really is. This is it. Everyone look. You don't have to have faith to finish where God is calling you to go. You don't have to have faith to finish. You just have to have faith to start. You just have to have faith at the beginning to take a step of faith. I mean, when I started the jar, do you think I had the faith for what God has done in here? You won't insult me. Go ahead. What do you think the answer is? No. I had no faith for that whatsoever. The only thing I had faith for was to open my house for six people to come in, two kids and one cat. That was it. I had the faith to start, folks. Honestly, I never thought our church would be more than 200 people. The largest church I'd ever been a part of in my entire life was 200 people. And in year seven, we hit 200 people and I had no idea what to do. 
And we went and we prayed and we said, God, we just need more faith. Increase our faith. And all of a sudden we put together Jar 2.0, Chapter 2, and said, you know what? We're going to believe God for more and more and more. And God has supplied. And one of the things we did was we did two celebrations. And people, I remember them saying, oh, don't do that. It'll kill the church. Don't do it. And we did it, and God grew the church and just kept blessing it. And then all of a sudden, we felt a call to actually come here to the Civic and to have church here. And people are like, oh, don't do that. It'll kill the church. Some of you are here because we chose by faith to open up this building. You would have never, ever been apart had that not happened. Folks, this is the truth. I don't have answers to millions of questions. I'm not that smart. I'm really not. But this is what I've learned, and it's this. You don't have to understand everything to do something. You don't have to understand everything. You don't have to see all of the details to actually step out in faith and do something. And when God prompts you to go... Sometimes the best decision is to go when it would be much easier for you to stay. Sometimes what's most important is to give up your security so that you could walk into the destiny that God has for your life. Sixteen years ago, folks, I did not have the faith for a church of 400 people. I didn't. I did not have it at all. I never saw what God has done in this place. But you know what I did have faith for? To start. And to open my house. And I'll never forget my neighbor Phil walking across the road. And we had six adults and two kids one cat. And that's all the faith that was needed. So I don't know who I'm talking to, but there's somebody here, maybe more than one, that what is God calling you to do in 2020? To start by 